Welcome to an explanation of the faith as it accompanies Luther's small catechism. The Sixth Commandment, You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. God created us to live faithfully as male and female by respecting his purpose for sexual activity within the context of marriage. Is marriage between a man and a woman held in high regard today? Why or why not? Read Genesis 2, 15-24. For what purpose did God create us, male and female? As Christians, we cherish marriage as the union of our different, yet complementary natures as male and female. How can I talk about marriage and sex in ways that reflect God's good purposes for it? Question 65. What is marriage? Marriage was created by God as the lifelong union of a man and a woman for their mutual help and joy and for the procreation and nurturing of children. A man and a woman enter into marriage by the public promise to live faithfully together until death. Mark 10, 6-9 But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Question 66. What is adultery? Adultery is the unfaithfulness of a spouse who engages in or desires sexual intercourse with someone to whom he or she is not married. Read Matthew 19, verses 4 to 6, to see that God intended marriage to be permanent and spouses to be faithful. Question 67. Does this commandment apply only to husbands and wives? No. The principle of sexual purity in this commandment applies to all human beings, whether married or not, and to all kinds of sexual desire and activity. Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Question 68. How do we fear and love God in keeping the Sixth Commandment? We fear and love God by living as men and women who respect God's purpose for marriage. We do so by a. Treating our bodies as holy, set apart for the purposes for which God created us male and female, and not as objects that serve our selfish desires. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Read Genesis 1, verses 26-28, Matthew 5, 27 and 28, and 1 Corinthians 6, 13-18. Note, human beings often violate God's purposes for them as male and female, by engaging in sexual sins. 
This includes consensual sins such as fornication, pornography, and homosexual behavior. It also includes coercive sexual acts such as rape, incense, sexual child abuse, and other sexual assaults, which also violate the fifth commandment. B. Speaking and acting to one another as male and female in ways that build up rather than tear down, such as crude talk, derogatory comments about appearances, or immodest dress. Ephesians 5.4 Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Read also Philippians 4.8 and 1 Timothy 2.9. C. Reserving sexual intercourse for marriage rather than before or outside of marriage. Hebrews 13.4 Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Read the narrative of Joseph in Genesis 39, 6-10. See also 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 18-20. D. Refraining from lustful desire or activity of any kind, whether heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, or otherwise. Proverbs eleven six, The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. Matthew 5.28 But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Colossians 3.5 Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. E. Treasuring our husband or wife as a gift from God and loving him or her sacrificially. Ephesians 5.33 However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Note, in marriage vows, a husband and wife promise to love each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death separates them. Read Genesis 2.23 1 Corinthians 7, 1-11 Ephesians 5, 21-33 and Titus 2, 11-14. Question 69. Why are we, single or married, to respect the fact that God established marriage and created us as male and female? Marriage is to be respected by all so that a. Individuals may flourish in modesty and self-control. Proverbs 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 6. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Read 1 Timothy 2, 8-10, where the word describes our new life, emphasizing prayer with modesty, self-control, and other good works. b. Husbands and wives may flourish. Genesis 2, 21-24 So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Note, since the fall, marriage also takes on a healing purpose to help keep each other from falling into sexual sin. See 1 Corinthians 7, 2-5. Since marriage is God's gift, allowing us to enjoy sex within a God-pleasing context, and is God's means for raising godly children, if one is of age and finds it difficult to avoid sexual activity, one should marry with a Christian spouse, trusting God to provide what we need. See Philippians 4, verse 19. C. Families, societies, and creation as a whole may flourish through the procreation and raising of children. Genesis 1.28 And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Genesis 9.7 And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Genesis 2:15 and 18 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Read the narratives about the creation of man and woman in Genesis 1:26-31 and 2:15-25. Focus on Genesis 1:28. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Many young people desire more children than they end up actually having. While Christians have great freedom and we do not seek to burden consciences here, it is true that postponing marriage and accumulating debt are two significant factors that often reduce the number of children a couple may have. Question 70. What does our created nature teach us about marriage? Human beings are by nature male or female. According to the pattern of nature itself, a new human life cannot be conceived without a man and a woman. The most natural setting for the care of the baby who is born is for the child to be cared for by his or her mother and father, who have committed themselves to each other and to their child. This natural pattern has been the basis for marriages and families throughout all of human history in every human culture. Genesis 5, 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them, and named them man, when they were created. Question 71. What does the Bible affirm about people who are not married? Our identity, worth, or completeness as human beings is not determined by our marital status, but by our Creator and Redeemer. A. God made us stewards of his creation, whether single or married. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. B. God has given all good things to all Christians, whether single or married. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? C. God calls unmarried persons to live in contentment as they trust in him and serve their neighbor. 1 Corinthians 7.8 
to the unmarried and the widows I say, that it is good for them to remain single as I am. 1 Corinthians 7.32-34 I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. D. People will not be married in the age to come after Jesus returns. Matthew 22.30 For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Question 72. What is the Christian view of living together apart from marriage? God's will for our lives is violated in several ways when a man and woman live together in a sexual relationship without being married. Cohabitation fails to honor God's gift of marriage. A. By not actually entering into marriage. B. By separating sexual activity from the marriage union, in which a man and woman have made a publicly recognized, lifelong promise of faithfulness to each other. C. By confusing or deceiving others, often including children, about the nature of the couple's relationship, suggesting a commitment to marriage that is not in fact there, or assuming that cohabitation is a valid test of future marital success. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 1 Corinthians 7.8.9 To the unmarried and the widows I say, that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. 1 Corinthians 13.6 Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Hebrews 13.4 Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Question 73. What should husbands and wives do when they struggle in marriage? Because we live in a sinful, fallen world, there will be struggles in marriage even for Christians. Husbands and wives will want to a. Remember their marriage vows, and that God has joined them in marriage and promises to be with them. b. Confess that they are both sinners in need of forgiveness, trust in Christ's forgiveness, and speak forgiveness to each other. c. Go to church together, read God's word together, and pray together. This is essential for every marriage. d. Visit with their pastor for confession and absolution, and if need be, ask the pastor for help in finding a Christian counselor. Read Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33. Consider the nature of sacrificial love in marriage. Question 74. What does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? God forbids divorce except for marital unfaithfulness, adultery, and malicious desertion. Tragically, Adultery and malicious desertion can destroy the lifelong one-flesh union that God has given. The Bible allows for the possibility of divorce and remarriage in these circumstances. Because divorce always involves sin, it requires repentance and forgiveness. Whenever a husband and wife experience conflicts and sins that threaten their marriage, the ultimate goal is always reconciliation and forgiveness. Matthew 19, 7-9 They said to him, 
Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Read Mark 10, 6-12, and 1 Corinthians 7, 10-11, and verse 15. See also the story of David and the wife of Uriah in 2 Samuel 11, and that of Herod taking his brother's wife in Mark 6.18. Note, sadly, divorce cannot be avoided in many circumstances of domestic abuse, which constitutes a form of malicious desertion. Question 75. What are some dangers or temptations that pornography poses today? Pornography is sin. It turns us away from God and from others. Because the internet has made pornography widely available, it has become an ensnaring addiction for many people. It is dangerous because a. It turns us away from love for God and our neighbor towards sinful desires that are contrary to His will, stimulating fantasies about sexual infidelity and adultery. Psalm 27 verses 4 and 8 One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. B. It treats others, usually women, as physical objects for selfish pleasure, rather than as persons whom God has created to be his own and endowed with dignity and purpose. Matthew 5.28 But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. C. It undermines desire for a healthy, loving sexual expression between a husband and wife in marriage and leads to unrealistic views and sinful expectations about sexuality. 1 Corinthians 6.13 The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Ephesians 5.33 However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Question 76. What does the Bible say about same-sex marriage? God created us as male or female, and established marriage as the lifelong union between a man and a woman. Because of their differences, a man and a woman complement each other, and are able, wherever God wills it, to bear children and nurture them. Same-sex marriage rejects God's intention, and it is not true marriage. Romans 1, 24, 26, and 7 Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, 
and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Read Leviticus 18.22 and 1 Timothy 1.8-11. Question 77. What is the Christian perspective on persons who are confused about their sexual identity? During adolescence, most people come to realize a growing interest and attraction toward the opposite sex, a desire and attraction that God intended when he created us male and female and established marriage between man and woman. Christians realize that a desire and attraction for the opposite sex is a God-given basis for marriage, for the conception and birth of children, and for the future of earthly human life. Some persons, however, may discover that they are attracted to individuals of the same sex. Others may feel uncomfortable with the sex they were born with and wish they were, or believe they are, the opposite sex with the wrong body. Such desires result from our fallen nature and are contrary to the will of God. Therefore, we should, a, remember that our chief identity is given in baptism, that we are God's children and heirs of heaven. b, respect our identity as male or female as indicated by the body God gave us. c, respect God's intentions for us as male and female. d, remember and be obedient to God's command that all desires for sexual activity are to be curbed and disciplined until we are married. e, Remember that while most people will marry, God's word also praises and blesses those who serve him by living chastely without marrying. F. Seek the assistance of parents and also pastors, counselors, or other Christian professionals where that is needed or beneficial. G. Trust that God's grace is sufficient for us, and look to Christ for daily forgiveness, strength, and contentment. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Isaiah 29.16 You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding? Romans 13.14 but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Romans 1, 26 and 27 For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women, and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. 1 Corinthians 7.17 Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. Note, in an extremely small number of cases, individuals are born with sexual ambiguity, for example, with chromosomal abnormalities, or with bodies that are not clearly male or female. These families should depend on the best medical advice available, seeking to treat the condition in a way that is both medically and morally responsible. Thank you for listening to the explanation of our Christian faith as found in Luther's Small Catechism, brought to you by St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Oviedo, Florida. This podcast is from Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation, copyright 1986-2017, copyright 1986 Concordia Publishing House. Used with permission, all rights reserved. Purchase a print copy of Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation. Please contact CPH at 800-325-3040 or visit them at cph.org.